Chantel. And I'm Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, your local YA Tipsy book podcast. Woohoo! Yay! Oh my god, it's been <laughs> so long since we've done that. It's been a very long time. <laughs> Which we also said when we recorded the last episode. I know. But then it's been another long time. <laughs> well, to be fair on us, the holidays have been interesting with Omicron and having to go see family and for me moving. Like, there was a lot going on for both of us. There was a lot. I was tutoring through finals. I had to get my uh, report out at the end of my last project that I was leading. <sighs> Travel <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it was exhausting. But you know what? We made it into the new year. We are settled in our places now. And hopefully back in a place where we can, uh, you know, read and record on a more normal schedule and not take um, extended two-month-long breaks without telling anybody. Hmm. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Julia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes. I mean, I figured you'd be excited for our next book since it's uh I am very choice. excited. Yeah. I am. Actually, technically I think the next two books, one and a half books are my choice. What does that mean? We have the regular book for the regular book book podcast and then we have a special coming up where oh. you get to finally finish The Queen of Nothing. The last. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. I'm beyond excited to read this book. Everyone who has listened to our episodes of The Cruel Prince and The Wicked King knows how much I'm obsessed with that series now. Um, (laughs) I cannot wait to finish it. Should we also, here's a question, should we also do a special episode for How the King of Elfame Hates Stories? I think we should, because I haven't, I have not read that, so that would be fun for both of us. I've been waiting to read it until I read The Queen of Nothing, but I have my special fairy loot edition of the book (laughs) that I ordered. It's so pretty. Like, I'm, I'm showing Julia, so sorry to the rest of the listeners, but like, look at that inside, first off. That is very pretty. And then... Ooh, oh, I would just take the, the jacket off. I will wow. actually, but it's on my, I don't have any books on this shelf that are at my desk that don't have dust jackets on, so I'll take it off when I'm reading it, but stays on for protection for now. Queen of Nothing's up here too, and I think actually my version, because I have the special editions from Barnes & Noble, I think they all have some kind of embossing in the front too, but it's oh, not those as are very pretty. Not as pretty as the fairy loot version, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to read that. And then I'm also very excited to read Jennifer James. Is that right? The actual real reality of Jennifer James. Yes. Okay. At least I got the name right. You did get the name right, and, and I to didn't be fair, say Jessica I could Jones. use the name all the time. <laughs> yes. I was very tempted to say Jessica Jones. I've been in a uh, Daredevil spiral, um, the Netflix series, like rewatching Daredevil, and I will eventually rewatch all of Jessica Jones as well. Um, but that's separate conversation about my recent 
not even recent. Just a separate conversation about my obsession with Marvel properties. <laughs> Again, I don't want to spoil things for people that have not seen the new Spider-Man movie. But all I will say is um, Spider-Man and Hawkeye have re-engineered my interest in the Netflix Marvel shows. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've also been rewatching Bridgerton today. Just cause. Oh my god. Maybe I'll eventually read the first book. Who knows? Well, when's the next uh, next season of Bridgerton coming out? Like March 23rd. Oh, it's still so far away. What? <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. I wanted Taco Bell for lunch, and so I was sitting in line waiting for Taco Bell, but the uh, drive through line was so long today that I literally watched half an episode of Bridgerton while waiting in line at Taco Bell. Was it worth it? Yeah, because it didn't feel that long because I was watching Bridgerton. <laughs> oh my god. And then I got Taco Bell when I got home. It was a win-win. Oh my god, I can't with you. Uh, but Shondaland has a new series coming out on Netflix uh, beginning of February. Ooh, what is it? About the Anna Delvey story. Did you ever read that? No. Oh my god, it is a wild story. I have been obsessed with it ever since it broke. And they made it into a limited series. Um, it's about Anna Sorokin, who claimed her identity. This sounds like a novel, but it's like an actual story. Who claimed her identity was Anna Delvey and that she was a rich German heiress and fooled like half of New York City. Oh, the con yeah. woman. Yes. No, I do know yes. this story. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. It looks so good. I'm so happy Shondaland got the rights to it because it looks like it's going to be like massive. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm excited. I'll have to watch that. That seems good. I, I love Shondaland anyways, and um, I remember I <laughs> hearing about that, that con story on an episode of Scam Goddess, a podcast that I thoroughly mm. <laughs> which is just about different s- scams that have Scam. taken place in the oh my God. It's a fraud podcast. It's great. <laughs> it's like American Greed, but funny, so... You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, much of a diatribe. Julia, how are you doing tonight? Back on topic. <laughs> what are you... Do we remember how to do this? We're, g- it's gonna, uh, no. we're gonna be a bit off topic tonight. It's fine. <laughs> how are you doing tonight? What are you drinking? I'm doing well. I'm drinking a German Riesling, a dry Riesling. Um, I am in Canada, Toronto now, finally. It was... A bit of an adventure getting up here. My mother helped me up to the border. We, because I drove up with my car, and so we drove together to Niagara, and then she took a train back down. But I had to take a COVID test, and it had to be within 72 hours of crossing the border. That was negative, and uh, my COVID test got lost somewhere from New York to Nashville because both places happened to have. <laughs> snowstorms nashville was like a freak un- like event snowstorm too i was like what are the chances that both the origin and the destination have snowstorms so i had to pay well i didn't have to but like otherwise i was gonna have to wait a couple days and i would have had to pay for a hotel anyway so i paid 225 dollars for a covid test at the border it was like a 30 minute turnaround it was like absolutely insane 
and I never want to go through that again because I was so stressed. I didn't know if I was going to get across the border and if I was going to be late to my apartment. So, but I am here. I had, oh, and to top it all off, I had car trouble, like literally within three days of getting here. So I don't have to go get my car repaired. And I made an appointment for tomorrow, Monday. And guess what's happening tomorrow? A huge snowstorm. So I'm going to try and reschedule it. But it's just like, I can't with the snow right now. Me and snow, I love snow so much. But I'm beefing with it right now. I'm so sorry. That's rough. So I'm stressed, but my first week of first week of classes have started, and at least that is going well. So, um, nice. at least one thing is going okay. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah. How are you doing? I'm okay. It's been a kind of a slow weekend here. Um, Miss Skyla had a negative reaction to her booster, so. I've just been caregiving and trying to keep her rested and not feverish all weekend, but her fever broke this morning, so that's good. It's been low low grade. She's just been achy and, like, sad, so she's Mm, starting to feel a little bit. It does, but she's starting to feel a little bit better, which is good, Um, and I've just been kind of, like, taking it a little bit easy on myself these first couple weeks of the year. my next project doesn't start until like February, so I'm doing some preliminary research, trying to just get oriented for it, but not doing a ton of work until someone explicitly tells me I need to do work for it, and uh, just kind of easing myself into it, studying for, I need to take um, a like certification test soon this quarter and I didn't realize that the virtual classroom that I had signed up for last year expired at the end of this month so I have to like rush through a Mm -hmm. six-week class in two weeks (laughs) it's gonna be great so I'm gonna work on that tomorrow and like do um another lesson tomorrow and then I'll be two of the six weeks done if I can get that done tomorrow and then I'll just try to do like two more a week until I hit the 30th, and then I have another, like, month or two to study before I'm actually going to, like, sit and take the test. Um, I'll probably take it by end of February. I planned our vacation to Disneyland, which is coming up when Skyla has a break from school, so I'm excited to go down there and see the new Avengers campus because, I'm sorry, I want to do Web Slingers (laughs) with (laughs) Spider-Man. And they have a new restaurant there called Pim's Test Kitchen, which, like, so Hank Pym is the guy that makes the Ant-Man particles, and so all of the things in the restaurant are supposed to be either, like, super-sized or, like, really, really small um, to kind of mirror the Pym particles, and so Mm. I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of food they have there. It should be really interesting. So excited we got that booked. And, yeah, just kind of, like, chugging through, otherwise chugging through my reading list, trying to, like, make progress. I was telling you this earlier, but, like, make progress in some things that have been on my currently reading on Goodreads for over three years. Um, Finally trying to (laughs) check the boxes on some of those things. I'm still reading new things as well, but I'm, like, actively making an effort to to cross things off my list. Um, So... Working on on Anna Karenina, but I'm also going to be interspersing my time reading Anna Karenina with finishing The Secret History. It's not that I don't like it. 
I really like it. I just, it's very dense, and I got it caught is. up reading a bunch of other stuff. I so. mean, that is completely fair. I definitely did not read The Secret History in one sitting, so. Yeah, it's it's taking me a while. But it's good. Like, I really enjoy it. It's probably going to be a five-star read for me. It's just, like, a slow five-star read, which is kind of how I feel about Anna Karenina, honestly. Like, I remember really liking it when I was reading it back in 2018, and then I just, like, never picked it back up again for any reason, but I picked it back up and... Weirdly enough, I can pretty much remember, like, where I was <laughs> when I left off three years ago and, like, still enjoying it, reading it now. It's, anytime you read classic literature, though, I feel like it's just, there's, like, this sense of peace and calm if you know how to read and enjoy reading classic literature. Like, reading yeah. something that was written in the 1800s, just, like, the framing <laughs> and the style of it can feel really calming and, like, comforting if you're used to it. Yeah. So even though this is Russian and very different from, like, British society and, like, British literature, it feels in a lot of ways like how I feel when I read Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come for me, Russians. I'm sorry. <laughs> Though I was cracking up, I told my therapist I was going to, like, really make a concerted effort to try to finish Anna Karenina this year, and she is Russian, and she just looked at me, and she's like, are you sure? What? <laughs> are you okay? Was, yeah, she was like, um, just, just fair warning, Russian naming conventions are really confusing. Like, we use a lot of different names. And I was like, oh, I know, but my version of Anna Karenina has, like, a glossary in the front with all of the diminutives and, like, all of the nicknames that you use for everyone and, like, how to refer to the different people. The cast of characters is actually pretty easy to, like... <laughs> differentiate in Anna Karenina. Crime and Punishment. Different story. I had no idea who was doing what the entire time I read that book in high school, yet I still loved it. So, you don't always need comprehension to enjoy a story. Did you know that? <laughs> I love that insight. Um, luckily, we don't have to apply that to the Savage Song because it's very easy to comprehend what August and Kate are going through. You still have it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> smooth. Very smooth. I try. I try. You know, we're transitioning to them. They're transitioning to new parts of their lives. It all just kind of blends together. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, so today what we're actually here to talk about 15 minutes into this recording, um, is <laughs> chapters 9 and 10 of verse 4 of this Savage Song, as well as the elegy, which such an interesting term to use yeah. for an epilogue of a first book. It's so interesting. So we're, we'll get into that when we get into the commentary. But yes, yeah, so basically we're talking about the last two chapters of the book and then a quasi-epilogue leading us into where book two is probably going to be picking up. Um, and I'm really excited to finally finish this book because it's been on our currently readings on Goodreads for a very long time. And now I can finally check this off and make my list one, one shorter. Um, but Julia, do you want to do the honors and give us a synopsis of these chapters? Yes, I will. So, verse 4, chapter 9, 
August and Kate start to walk across the nearby field with August trying to figure out if the piece of him he seems to be missing will come back. They go to the house and everything is as before with August's broken violin and the body. August finally acknowledges his tallies are gone and his skin is smooth. He no longer feels connected to who he was before he went dark, not quite, and it makes him feel a little like Leo. Kate offers him a t-shirt and asks if he is still himself, and he responds that he isn't sure, given everything that just happened, including killing his brother. He lets her know he needs to go back to V-City for Henry. She wants to go back too, and August asks August to come with her first to see her father so she can know if he is telling the truth. First for chapter 10, we start the chapter in Harker's office with Kate waiting for him there, hoping he knows she has come, though she has hidden August by coming in. She is still in her bloody clothes, holding Harker's desk gun and the silver pendant, which she had finally realized was a GPS. She knows she shouldn't have come back, but she, but needs the truth. Harker comes in alone, urgently, and seemingly grateful that she is alright by, uh, by asking why she isn't at the house. Um, she tells him Sloane came to get her and that he is now dead. She reminded him she said she would kill the monster responsible. She asked if it was Sloane's idea to break the truce or his and realizes by his smile it was his, though he explains the truce was failing and he didn't want the Malkai to rebel. She then asked about the burnt-off brands and he said that was Sloane's idea, but she tells him that Sloane was playing him so he could take control. He then thanks her for killing Sloane, saying she might be a Harker after all. She asks about her mother, and he says he never wanted a daughter, but acquiesced to her mother's wishes, and then Kate became the center of her mom's world, which he considered as ruining her. He then said by the time Sloane killed her, she wasn't really his wife anymore anyways. Kate tells him she is stronger than her mother, and he scoffs, saying she won't shoot him, but she, but she does in the shoulder. He tells her a true Harker would have shot to kill, and she shoots him in the knee, and he says he thought maybe they could have been a real family if Kate never found out the truth, and she realizes the thought makes her sick. She tells him he is a monster, and he says she doesn't have what it takes to survive in a monster's world. She goes to take another shot, but August stops her. She is crying, saying she has to kill him, and August says she doesn't deserve the pain of being the one to do it in cold blood when she is in control. He instead asks her to let him disperse the justice. He grabs Harker and tells her to go, saying to make sure no one interrupts. Kate tells her father goodbye and walks out. We then flip to August, who says... Harker took a long time to die because he really resisted the death, and by the time it happened, the sun was setting. He walks out, sees Kate holding an unlit cigarette, and she says she won't make it since there are other ways to die. She had gotten cleaned up and packed, including bringing the gun. August offers to protect her in South City, and she says she isn't going to be safe in the city at all and is ready to leave. August realizes she is right since Harker's system is going to be crumbling now that both he and Sloane are dead. She doesn't know where she's going, and he gives her Henry's private lie in case she needs anything and tells her to stay alive one day at a time. They touch fingers briefly on the car door and say goodbye while he heads home. When he gets home, Henry and Emily hug him, and he tells them everything, including how he stopped Leo. There had been a fight, and they couldn't stop him, but August did. Then they surprise him and say that Ilsa will be alright, and she was actually able to get away from Sloane, but is healing. 
August goes to her room and sees a vicious red scar on her throat, but she is alive. He tells her he is scared because going dark and taking a Sunai life took something from him and he doesn't think he came back whole. Then they look at the stars as Ilsa draws more on her window. In the elegy, Kate is driving west. Elegy? Elegy? I think it's elegy. No, I just realized. Elegy, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, in the elegy, Kate is driving west and gets to the border, handing the man faked papers with her name listed as Catherine Torrell, or Torrell. I don't know how we want to say that. Her I go Torrell. Torrell sounds good. Torrell. It sounds a little bit nicer somehow. Yeah. They ask why she is crossing, and she says, for school. They remind her the papers don't grant come-and-go privileges, and she says she knows that she isn't coming back. She worries they won't let her go, but eventually they do, and she drives past Verity, trying to figure out where to go. Her radio switches over from the Verity channels, and the news is talking about a string of grisly grisly murders occurring in the Prosperity territory, with some suspecting it is gang activity and eyewitnesses calling it ritualistic or occult. Kate appears to head straight for that, but by driving straight ahead. Great! August? (laughs) I know. August starts to see the tallies appearing on his body again, slowly, ready for the new day and the fresh start, but not at school. He is dressed in his FTF fatigues as he is finally be- as he has finally been allowed to join. He asks Allegro, the cat, if he is all right, and Allegro pats him on the nose, so August is reassured he is still good. He looks at his new case, which houses a stainless steel violin, a new violin for a new hymn. He resists the urge to play because he knows the time is coming, given the monsters are loose in North City due to Harker's death. The FTF knows they need to cross soon and intervene, and August needs to be with him because he is the last workable Sunai, given Ilsa can no longer use her voice. He is ready to stand for humanity and sacrifice himself so they can stay human, finally embracing the darkness within him to prevent the humans from further straining their souls. We now cut away from both perspectives. Yeah, three whole perspectives. Yeah, it's a busy, busy fake end chapter. Oh, yeah. To the safe house, pass, back past the waste. The house is seemingly empty until a shadow begins to form around the corpse, turning into a body that is tall, thin, and female. The new Malkai wanders the house until she happens upon a family photo where she only recognizes the young girl. She then leaves the house and wanders to the warehouse, eventually finding Sloane stabbed, though recognizing his heart was not stabbed. She pulls the weapon out, and he takes a breath, asking what her name is. She tells him Alice, which makes him laugh. And that is the end of book one. Uh, It's like even worse because I actually haven't read book two. Is it? I feel like I've asked this before, but is it a trilogy or a duology? It's a duology. Two books. Hmm. The Savage Song and then Our Dark Duet. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Um, very similar naming conven- conventions to These Violent Delights and Our Violinets. <laughs> Just fun facts. Um, even though it's not pop culture time, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a duology, but I just, I got this from the library, like, ages ago, and I, I just never read 
the second book, and then we started reading mm-hmm. this one, and I didn't want to, like, read ahead, and then I had other things to read. So, yeah, I, we, when we read the second book, we'll be, we'll, we'll both be going into it blind. Excellent. <laughs> Which, uh, is good, because honestly, this elegy leaves us with a lot of guessing A lot to of do. questions. So yeah. many questions. But we need to talk through the actual end of the book first before we start theorizing. And also our wrap-up episode episode will contain most of our most of our theorizing. True. So, what did you have for chapter nine, Julia? General commentary. Um, I didn't have too much. It was a very short chapter. Mm-hmm. But um I liked this image where she writes, August padded toward the bathroom where his violin lay splintered on the tiled floor, its neck broken, strings snapped. He forced himself to step around it the way Kate had with the corpse. I like that image of, like, the corpse in his mind is the violin, and then there's the human corpse, which is for Kate's. Um, There was something kind of weirdly poetic about it. Well, especially thinking back to, like, when he snapped his violin, it wasn't like Mm -hmm. it was like a, oh, it was a snap. It was he was committing the quote-unquote sin of, like, actively playing to get everyone away from them, and his, like, strings started snapping, things started breaking um, as he was actively dispensing his justice so to speak and Kate was doing the exact same thing so in reality both of their corpses associated with both of their acts are remnants of the decisions and the choices that they made in the moment to save themselves which is very poetic yeah it's really visually pleasing to the eye or ear I guess depending on how you're (laughs) imbibing the book but um that's a good good thing to call out um, and then the other one that I had was, um, I liked their little exchange where, um, August is, or Kate is asking August, you know, are you still you asking, like, are you the monster that she saw come out mm-hmm. and, or are you the August that she knows? And August is like, well, I'm not really either. <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm not the monster, but I'm not the same person that I was, or monster that I was before I became a real monster. Because mm-hmm. um, he, like, really went through an ordeal there. Like, he really he is going to be a completely different character, which is why I re- I'm excited to read him in the book second two. book. Is Because, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be way different. Because I feel like we were kind of doting on him a lot in this book because he is very, like, innocent up until that point where he loses He's control. Yeah. He is very naive. And now this has been, like, kind of like his teenage moment you know where he was like oh like I feel like everyone has that as a teenager like there's Mm -hmm. that moment or a few moments that like amount to a bunch and you kind of realize like you're growing up and you have wisdom now and you have life experiences like that was his moment that was his life experience well and it's not even necessarily wisdom but it's just like difference right when you have that life Mm -hmm. experience that life experience can be something tainting or traumatic or so like some people go through life experiences and they experience this trauma that 
sits with them and impacts how they make decisions. Separately, August now has this darkness that is sort of sitting on his soul by taking yeah. Leo's life. And, like, Leo needed to die. We all know that Leo needed to die in the particular scenario, and saving Kate was the right thing to do morally in the situation that occurred. But he still killed his brother, and, like, that's going to sit and weigh and change how he views the world and how he views his own decisions I think moving forward that yeah exactly to your point like it's a movement we got our we got our buildings roman moment where he has moved from young adult to potentially that more adult mindset where he is no longer the pure innocent white of childhood and that morally gray component of the complexities of life is now entered into his characterization. Kate always kind of had that, um, but August didn't, which is exactly why we doted on him so much, because he was so sweet and pure. Yeah. And he's not anymore. He isn't. He is a changed man. He <laughs> or is. Changed, changed monster. monster. Changed Sunai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought the... Um, the te- Tension may not be the right word, but it felt like when we started this chapter, there was, like, tension. Almost like when you have, like, an unresolved note, not to use musical metaphors, but it is August's chapter POV that we start with, so maybe that is fitting. But where you, you have that, like, unresolved dissonance in a musical chord, and you're just, like, it's not tension that makes you, like, anxious, but you're just, like, waiting for something else like it's that resolution getting to that next layer like getting that more information and I just thought it was really fascinating because it's like you're getting this sort of sense that August doesn't quite know who he is in his own body and his own skin anymore as he's sort of reforming and coming back to himself and you're also not getting Kate's perspective on like what that looks like to her and what's going through her head and like how she's seeing him interact you're just getting his perspective on like the unknown and it's building and building all this tension that is making us so intrigued in like what's going to happen to him and if he's gonna snap or if he's gonna be able to manage and live with this and we get a little bit of that in the elegy um but i just thought it was oh so beautifully written again at the beginning Victoria Schwab can do no wrong. I adore her. I just (laughs) love her so much. And I'm just proud of both of these kids, you know? It's like they've been through this really traumatic ordeal for both of them in different ways, but neither of them is running, screaming for the hills, even though they both probably have every right to do so. You know, they're managing to stay calm, collected, and supportive of one another, even though... August probably wants to eat Kate, and Kate has every reason to be terrified of August right now, and they're still just still, I don't know, they're supporting each other through this and trying to make the best of their situation. I'm just, I'm really proud of all of their growth in the books. They make good partners in crime, quite literally. (laughs) Yes, yes they do. (laughs) And we're starting book two with them separated. I know, but then think about the reunion. But does that mean August has to leave? Well, maybe Kate will come back. back. I don't know. We'll have to see. She might have, like, that they did say in, in, was it 
the elegy that they, she can't come back but like i feel like she would come up with a solution like just in case she has papers oh, to get back in 100 percent, she would figure out a way to get back in yeah. and the do du- the duology is called the monsters of verity so having it stay centered in verity makes sense but also yeah. it could move somewhere else because august is a monster of verity so as long as he's still in the story it could take place anywhere <laughs> it still applies <laughs> Yes. Um, well, it could also be. I mean, we'll we'll talk about this later. I, I won't get to go ahead. <laughs> Just we'll start predicting things way too early. I know we not be it's doing hard that. not to. It, I know, especially with the way this ends, it's like really hard not to. It's I'm getting very not to pop culture too much, but I'm getting very like ninth house vibes with how much theorizing mm-hmm. I want to do of like what's gonna happen in the second. Book. I know. Hopefully, well, at least with this, yeah, with with ninth house. We have to wait. With this, we don't have to wait, so. Don't remind me. <laughs> I know. I love that every so often, Lee will be like, I am working on Ninth House, the sequel. <laughs> we're all like, yeah, are you? Well, that's what worries me so much about, because I'm reading, um, and I told you this earlier, but I'm reading Vengeful right now, also by B.E. Schwab, and I've read on the internet that it is actually technically supposed to be a trilogy, but there are only two books and no plans for a third one to be released anytime soon. So, like, oh, I'm God. very worried that I'm going to get to the end of that book and there's going to be a cliffhanger and I'm going to cry. And it's going to be another ninth house. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. At least with, like, Vengeful, it there was, like, a little bit of a cliffhanger. Like, you knew more could come, but you also had a good enough resolution that if you only read the first book, you'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping the second book resolves like that, so I can be okay, but we'll see. Um, anyways, what about chapter 10? Um, I didn't have a whole lot. I mean, it was just kind of, like, a sad chapter mm-hmm. overall, like, from Kate realizing that, you know, she's never going, even though here's Harker saying, like, you are a Harker, she's never really going to be his daughter. Um no. He doesn't love her. He doesn't love her. He's been lying to her. Like, I feel like I was kind of with her for a long time where I was kind of doubting him. Like, even though, like, he's clearly a villain. At the same time, I was kind of like, well, maybe, you know, he has good intentions. Maybe he really does. And I think that was partially you, too, like, leading me on. Like, maybe he does actually care about her. And so I was like, yeah, maybe he does. But... Yeah, both Kate and I realized in this chapter that he has no intentions of being a family kind of guy. Um, it was just kind of sad the way that he was talking about her mother, too. I know. Like, just, like, the way that, like, he claims that she, Kate, changed his wife, basically. Um, like, yeah, motherhood changes people, but at the same time, like, usually it's for the better. <laughs> Um, makes you more caring, and, like, clearly he did not want to be a caring person. Like, that was never going to work out. Um, it was just so selfish. Like, he wanted his wife's attention all of the time. And when her attention was split or more focused on something else, he was a baby and felt neglected and therefore made the assertion that his wife couldn't do what needed to be done. And it's like, no, you're just 
priorities change. That's part of building a family and like growing up and living life. And he refused to change along with that. But instead of, you know, understanding and empathizing with why his wife was changing, he just fucking had her murdered. Yep. What a psycho! Yep. Oh my god. Like, I know, I know a lot of YA dystopian novels, the kids have fucked up parents. I don't know about you, this took things to a whole new level for me. In terms of, like, how messed up the parents were. Yeah. I will say, though, I felt some satisfaction with August getting, like, the final kill on him. Because it works out so well where she doesn't have to, like, have that guilt of killing her own father on her shoulders. While August gets to feed, essentially, on a sinner. Um, So, for the both of them, it works out evenly. Um... But man, yeah. like, I don't, I honestly don't think that Kate would have survived killing her father, despite how horrible of a person he is. I agree. Like, it's still, it's still a heavy burden. <laughs> it's a heavy burden, yeah. and it's, it's a, regardless, it's a sin. And she already has to yes. carry this other True. murder in literal yeah. and figurative ways. And, um, I don't know. This is what I, like, went on this whole diatribe in my notes again about August being our sweet prince. Because, like, he's just lovely. Like, he stopped her from doing the thing and did it in his, and did it in her place so her ledger doesn't bleed more red. And that he, like, is able to talk her down off that ledge because the first murder, yes, was already weighing on her soul. Well, it's, it's on her soul. Like, it's marked on her soul. But he was able to convince her that it shouldn't weigh on her heart. You know what I mean? That, like, it was an Mm -hmm. accident. It was self-protection. It was self-defense. That it shouldn't, like, sit and weigh on her heart, even though her soul may be technically stained. But by murdering someone who's on their knees in cold blood, like, that will weigh on your heart. And you will not be able to get that off. So I'm just, ugh, I'm really, really glad he stepped in and did that, even though that meant more on his ledger so to speak me too but he's not human he makes a really good point about that in in the elegy and so i'm i'm kind of glad that he took one for the team there i agree um i wanted else about yes go while on while you think about that i wanted to yes. know <laughs> your thoughts because all I could think about when she was, like, pulling the chip out of her necklace, I was like, mm, Julia, how do you feel about how angry you were that the truck driver almost took the necklace away from her? I know. Well, listen. I don't know. Like, it, I feel like that's the sort of thing that I should have seen. Like, I feel like we had this whole conversation, too, about it was, like, with the phone and the tracker. And it was, like, yeah, don't have the phone on you because they're going to track you down. Like, all along was actually the necklace, which is this important piece that she doesn't want to give up. Blah, 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 blah. Like, Mm -hmm. I should have seen the signs. Like, I'm not – this is, like, a basic YA kind of plot twist, you know? It's not a plot twist anymore. (laughs) But every single time it gets me. 
that's I just I wanted to check in on that because you were like so viscerally like angry when she gave the necklace to the truck driver and I was like uh, whatever <laughs> like obviously we wouldn't have had the rest of the plot if the truck driver would have kept the necklace so he had to give it back but like you were so relieved when he gave I know it back. and I just I couldn't say anything about it being a tracker <laughs> Listen, (laughs) I was innocent back then. You were. Well, I forget this sort of plot device in the next book that I read. Yes, I hundred percent will. Same, just like I won't think about golden acorns. You know, like we all have our (laughs) we all have our downfalls. Yeah. Oh God. Um, I did think it was very poetic that Harker took so long to die that the sun was setting by the time that it happened, because it's just I don't know, like the setting of that combined with everything else we know it's going on, like the sun is setting on this story in a lot of ways, and the sun is setting on his life. You know that it's like ending and the darkness is coming out, but also. The darkness in the kids is now starting to emerge. So it makes sense that as we're starting Mm -hmm. the next chapter of their story, we're doing it in sunset, twilight, darkness, because they are no longer in the light anymore, especially August. He is no longer in the light. He is a creature Mm -hmm. of darkness, and he's starting to embrace that. Um, And so I'm... I'm intrigued to see sort of that, like, metaphor and, like, how that continues to play out and how she may engage with sort of, like, setting and time of day and discussing what they're going to do in the next book. Um, But, yeah, I thought it was really poetic with how long it took him to die, (laughs) just to stretch it out. Because she normally doesn't comment, I mean, she comments on time of day to, like, talk about, like, when the monsters are going to be out or not. But it felt very strategic in how she said, they came in at midday when the monsters would be at their weakest, but by the time Harker died, darkness They're was falling. they going to be at their strongest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they got yeah, out okay. It's a very good point. And then, um, I can't remember, I probably should have listened to old episodes, but I didn't. Um, but did you actually think Elsa was dead? Um, I can't remember. I feel like I was doubtful, though. Um, but I think uh, this is my pop culture reference a little early. It's, um, because of Game of Thrones, I'm always doubtful when we don't see a kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Game of Thrones has scarred me. It's the whole idea, like, if you don't see the death, did it actually happen? Um, so I, I do think that I remember us talking about it, and I was like, mm-hmm. I feel like because we didn't see it, there's a small chance that she's alive. But there was, I think, another factor in there that had me doubt- doubtful. Um, well, it was, it was coming just, from a very unreliable narrator, right? Through Sloane. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was my thing. It was like, why, how would Sloane, like, get away from Ilsa? Um, which, now we know how we got away, how we got away from Ilsa. Um, because Sloane also didn't know how to kill that was it like Sloan didn't know how to kill the Sunai right um he was so experimenting he, on Ilsa and thought he had discovered it which is why he was trying to try it 
Yeah, with. and so I was like, but if you discovered that, if he discovered it, then like, why didn't you just do it, Sloan? Like, on August, he was still kind of doubting himself. I think this is the challenge, though, is I honestly think Sloan thought Ilsa was dead. Mm, yeah. And so he was saying, I killed her, I killed her, I killed her. She was then able to sneak away and not heal, but just cover um, yeah. to get to a safe place. And then Kate and August made the same mistake. They thought Sloane was dead. Well, I like the idea, though, at the same time. I think August brings it up of this idea that, like, maybe Sloane was lying when he said that he killed her. He didn't really physically kill her, but he killed the only part of her that makes her Brings her. use. Yeah. Yeah. He killed her ability to participate in the war. He killed her usefulness yeah. to her family. That's probably exactly. true. That's that's a good point. And as he well. would have wanted he would have wanted August to think that he killed her because he probably knew that they were close. So that would weaken August. So right. I don't know. I don't know, but I am very happy that she's alive. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Even but like, if she can't do anything. <laughs> I know. I just I feel kind of bummed that she can't speak at least right now because. Ilsa talking was one of my favorite parts of this book. I know. She just had, you know, again, all the credit to Victoria Schwab, but the way Ilsa spoke was so unique and intricate and interesting that I just, I ate it up. I loved reading it. It was so, so good to read. And I'm hopeful that she'll heal, Maybe to some extent. Yeah. Maybe not to sing anymore, but to talk. So we get a little bit of her personality back, but we'll see what happens. But she still has the stars, and now she has August back, so at least she's comfortable. This is true. This is true. Who knows how long she'll have August for, but this is true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else for Chapter 10? Or should we go to nope. the elegy? Elegy. Okay, so I think it's important before we dive into the details. Why do we think Victoria Schwab called it an elegy instead of an epilogue? Well, on the one hand, it's the death of the book, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's morbid. That's not the death of a story. That's why I was like, why is it elegy? Right. Like, well, so maybe maybe we should clarify um, for the listeners who don't know what an elegy is. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> per per Wikipedia, an elegy is described as a poem of serious reflection, usually a lament for the dead. So, first off, it's not a poem; it is straight up prose. So, I don't quite get that but sometimes you can have a speech that resembles a song or a poem and the way she writes is very fluid and poetic so like uh, it's a stretch fine whatever but it is usually meant to be a lament for the dead so similar to a eulogy but not quite the same thing um so i guess death of the book sure that that could be <laughs> one thing I also think it's sort of like the death of their connection, at least for a little while, or maybe for forever, we don't know, right? But, like, 
our main characters are separated. They're weakened. They're going off in different directions and kind of burning their old lives. And we are sort of mourning that as they make that transition. They're not necessarily mourning it, but we kind of are. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just me. I'm definitely sad that they're no longer together. Because <laughs> it took us so long to get yeah. them on the same side. No, we're tearing them apart again. <laughs> I know. But, like, think about the character growth they're going to have apart from each other. Like, they've had this huge experience and adventure with one another, and they've clearly changed each other. So now they'll break apart. I sound like a UX designer. We're going to break apart, iterate, (laughs) come back together, break apart again, come back together. (laughs) We'll be closer to the goal. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it is very sad. My other thought was kind of similar to that was, like, it could also just be the death of their characters as we know them. Kind of like how we were saying, like, August is no longer the August that we knew. <laughs> he is now going to be a different August. So, and His Kate eyes have changed. Well. He is a new violin. Yeah. His eyes have changed. You know, his family is not the same that it was. A and Kate... steel violin. <laughs> Damn. He's pulling some Lindsay Sterling shit out here. I know. Get him an amp. Get him some electric guitar. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, Kate, Kate's changed her name. Kate Harkness is dead. Mm-hmm. We have put the Harkness name in general to death. Out to sea, put a burning arrow on it. Yeah. Viking burial. But then you also, in that very, very last bit, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but in that, just for the elegy in that very last bit, you get death just in a different form. It's like, almost like a monster coming from death, right? It's rebirth in a way rebirth yeah yeah but in but not quite it's still death (laughs) shadow it's shadow it's a a shadow (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a rebirth but in a twisted contorted Mm. like i'm blanking on the word that i want to say but like not in a healthy way. It's not like a phoenix rising from the ashes kind of rebirth. It is a like yeah. shadow baby Game of Thrones kind of yes, rebirth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we don't need this Melisandre level bullshit for these kids. <laughs> Damn. Oh, I just wanted them to be happy. <laughs> I know. I'm very worried they're going to end up not happy. <laughs> I, I same. It's going to turn into the end of the Hunger Games where it's like they're together, but they're not really alive. But everyone's like miserable. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Like it's not quite, they're not quite there. <laughs> so. But on a slightly silver lining, I'm kind of excited to, like, see what's going to happen with Kate. If she's just like, yeah, you know, life without 
all the chaos in these city is boring. So I'm going to drive directly into a stream of <laughs> occult ritualistic murders and I'm going to solve them. I'm going to fix this. Her Veronica Mars is coming out and I'm like, I'm... I'm kind of excited for it. <laughs> I just, I, I want to know more about what she is driving into. Like, is it really ritualistic or an occult? Like, I feel like it can't be. It has to be, like, something else. I don't know. And why is she driving to it? That's the I... other thing. It's like, maybe she does want to be Veronica Mars here, but, like, she has nothing on her. <laughs> She's a gun. Yeah, a gun. <laughs> I almost, if it's monsters, she's going to have a lot of trouble. <laughs> again, probably should not be, like, theorizing on this episode, but we can repeat this all I know. again for the wrap-up. It's fine. I almost wonder if, like, someone is trying to figure out how to create a Sunai somewhere else. Oh, God. That would explain the ritualistic occult stuff. You're right. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Maybe Sloane has a friend out there. No, no, can't be. A, it can't be a Malkai. It has to be a human if you want to create a, a monster. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping, or not hoping, but like I'm interested to see if like that's what is happening here, and that's why she goes I'm towards hoping it's it. Not, but if that's why she's going towards it, because she's has this like hidden sense that that may be what's going on, and she has experience with Sunai and like knows what to do and knows how to stop it. Yeah. True. She can save the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about all this next week, but yes. <laughs> um, I just, oh my God. Also, August just like asking his cat to confirm if he's still I lovable. I loved that oh, part. Oh my God. I mean, it was kind of sad, but like, I loved that we get Allegro again and that we get Allegro confirming, like, you're still all right. Like, it's so reassuring. For me, but also, of course, for August. <laughs> I had a really positive mental health moment coming out of reading that scene. <laughs> me too. I 100%. And I was like, oh my god, I need to get a cat named Allegro now. <laughs> same. Oh my god, same. I would 100% name a cat Allegro, except the fact that it... it separate from this book all it would make me think about was allegro's pizza which was this really shitty pizza place on campus when i was in college oh no don't do that and so like i couldn't i couldn't do that to myself but otherwise i really would (laughs) oh well that is unfortunate um okay there was this line in the elegy that just broke my heart a little bit and probably did yours as well but august says he could be the monster if that kept others human. I loved that. I mean, I hated it, but I loved it at the same time. Like, you're I right. Loved it's it. a really good line. It's such a good line, but it broke my heart a little bit because he's so exactly self-sacrificial, basically. So it hurts us yeah. because we love him and we want him to be safe and happy. But I really do appreciate his acceptance finally here. Like, he's finally accepting his role in whatever this messed up society is and he doesn't have questions he doesn't have concerns he's just really going after what he believes to be the correct course of action and there's no more doubt in the choices that august is making um which again self-sacrificial so i'm not like fully supportive of him going gung-ho to like destroy (laughs) himself to save all the humans but 
really like putting into perspective the fact that he actually isn't human no matter how much he acts like he is or wants to be made this moment just I don't know so powerful and impactful and I was so appreciative of everything he was doing and how accepting he was finally being because he was growing into who he's always meant to be in that sort of like morally gray mindset and but he's um so he also talks about like oh i'm kind of he's choosing who or allowing himself to accept himself kind of like leo did but unlike leo he goes down the right path because of that line we know that he's gonna be okay he's not gonna go full-on leo on us and go insane (laughs) right because he still wants to protect humanity and humans not the sunai yeah and leo wanted to protect the sunai not humanity exactly because leo didn't think humanity was worth saving he thought they were all sinners basically yep bummer um really pissed that sloan's not dead i am too i'm so annoyed like obviously it was too quick and easy of a death to have been real yeah yeah i'm still frustrated I am too. God, I was like reading that. It was like a paragraph, basically. I was reading it thinking like, oh my God. No, he's going to just, like, he's alive for a split second to like tell this girl some wisdom and then he's going to die. And he didn't die. I was like, are you kidding me? Just die. We are rid of you. Like, let's get a new villain. I don't want to deal with you anymore. (laughs) Well, now we have two. We have two Malkai who are named that we have to fucking deal with. Which, by the way... The fact that her name is Alice, I mean, first of all, that's my mom's name, but regardless of that, like, okay, this is pop culture again, <laughs> but um, I just thought it was interesting because I feel like whenever you get a character that's named Alice, there's usually a reason. Like, either she's named after Alice in Wonderland or you get the Alice in Wonderland, go ask Alice from Jefferson's airplane, White Rabbit. Jeff- Jefferson's oh. airplane. Jefferson airplane? Yeah. Um, where, like, you have either Alice in Wonderland, who is just kind of innocent and trying to find her way back home, which is probably not this Alice, or you get the absolutely crazy Alice, who is kind of batshit crazy on drugs. I mean, this Alice is probably not on drugs, but, like, probably pretty crazy, right? Her name is Alice because Kate's mom's name was Alice. <gasps> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's even Alice crazier. Alice was her mom. I yeah. forgot about that. That's why Sloane mm. laughs. Oh my god. Because he killed Alice. Alice. <sighs> that revelation just blew my mind. <laughs> I just, I tripled, I googled it just to make sure, but yeah, no, it was because, it's because that was the mom's name. So, like, she has a personal (gasps) vendetta against Kate now. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I agree. Naming people Alice, like, naming monsters Alice just seems incorrect. Like, it's an injustice. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, also, because having an evil vampire named Alice is, like, creeping into Twilight territory, and I don't like it. I know. I know. <laughs> that was my immediate thought when I read that. I was like, oh, Alice is here. 
I haven't like, even seen a red toilet in like years. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you go there before you went to your mom? <laughs> yes, I did. Because like, I don't call my mom Alice. I call my mom Mama. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, same. Because I also don't call your mom Alice. I call your mom Julia's mom. <laughs> or Mrs. Leo. <laughs> Well, even her family doesn't call her Alice. Her family calls her Babe. Like, her sisters and brothers all call her Babe. And my cousins call her Babe. Auntie Babe. (laughs) So, no one calls her Alice. (laughs) My dad calls her Alice. (laughs) I mean, but I did hear the name around, thrown around quite a bit while I was living with you because of your dad. Yes, that is true. (laughs) With his accent. It's so fun. (laughs) um yeah it's uh, i don't like that they're like oh yes we're creating this extra evil super villain right now and we're naming her after your mom in both cases kate and yours so rude yeah I'm intrigued at, like, how she came up with that name. Like, how did she determine that that was her name? Or is there this, like, magical naming convention for all of the Malkai and the Corsai and the Sunai that they, like, receive their names based on someone that was connected to who committed the crime that created them? Well, my, my theory also was that, like, she talks about viewing a photo, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm almost wondering if, like, the first person, first human you see as this monster is what you name name yourself, almost. Mm, I don't know. If it's, like, an imprint, but you don't realize that. Or, like, because it was from the shadow that Kate killed, maybe it's somebody very important or who you were thinking about at that time. And so that shadow, which then becomes the Malkai is named after who you were thinking about or something. Well, that's why, like, if you are, especially with Kate, that it's, like, the whole point of the creation is to torment you further in the sin that you committed. And so torturing you by picking a name that is close to your heart, even though that's not the active decision of the specific Molokai that was created, but there's this, like, secret magical monster juju happening behind the scenes that's like "Mm, that girl did this murder and she misses her mom so we're gonna name the fucking monster after her mom (laughs) haha universe yeah god (laughs) i imagine that's exactly what happens yeah i would guess that too oh god i'm so mad I'm so tired of the Malkai. That ending was like, oh, you get Sloane, you get this new monster that's clearly going to become a problem. Like, I'm really excited to read book two, but, like, honestly, if this would have just ended, this is a really good standalone book, which is why I never read the second book in the first place, because, like, I was content enough with where it ended. Yeah. Obviously, there's cliffhangers, and obviously, I want to know what happens next, but I wasn't, like, in a rush to figure it out like I am with Ninth House, because she, Victoria Schwab does cliffhangers really, really well in the sense that, like, if the second book gets put in front of you, you're going to read it, but also, you're not going to be, like, crying about the ending, waiting for something else to happen, because she, she does that balance way better than most authors. 
Well, if you take away Sloane and you take away Alice, it, if you just end it here, it's like August is preparing to help take back Verity. Great. Mm-hmm. Kate is going off on an adventure. Great. Like, it, you're totally right. It could just end there. Right. I agree. I agree. Do you have anything else for, for the elegy? I I don't think I do. No. I mean, you already mentioned this. But I just really like that. Like, it's almost like a double meaning there when um, Kate changes her last name to Torrell for the sake of her papers. Mm-hmm to hide her identity but also basically like i am not my father's daughter i am my mother's daughter like that just felt very satisfying to me i love that (laughs) yeah good for her good for her i agree pop culture yes i didn't have too much although i never do (laughs) i tried but it's not great so i apologize ahead of time um did you have anything for chapter nine not for chapter nine, though. Did you? I had one, and this is probably a stretch. A lot of mine are probably a stretch, so I apologize. But before <laughs> we went on break, like winter break, I watched uh, the first two Divergent movies with um, Skyla, which I think I told you about. But so I've had like Divergent, but more so the movies because it's been ages since I've read the books. Kind of like on the brain. And something about, like, Kate's determination to, like, go back into the lion's den of, like, meeting with her father, specifically looking to get, like, the answers that she wants and, like, finally get the truth, reminded me so much of Triss trying to go back for Janine and use, like, the truth serum and, like, the extra serums on Janine to get the answers that she wanted of, like, what was going on within the world. Um, So it reminded me a little bit of... uh, of Triss there and dauntless dauntless energy she was giving me dauntless vibes with her willingness to go back into the lion's den but that's all I had mm, it makes me want to re- reread diversion it's been so long don't worry Julia we're gonna do it <laughs> that's right Just after Jennifer James yes okay after Jennifer James after we're Jennifer gonna James. read <laughs> The actual real reality of Jennifer James. It is a mouthful. <laughs> you get used to it. <laughs> I'm just going to start calling it Jennifer James. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> okay, what about chapter 10? I did. Um, oh, here was one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when um, Kate is... She has an unlit cigarette between her fingers and August goes, those things will kill you. And Kate looks up. Her eyes were red as if she'd been crying, but they were dry now. That's why I'm not smoking it. She said plenty of other ways to die. There was something about that whole little sequence there. It reminded me of the fall in her stars. Yes. <laughs> when Augustus has the cigarette and he's mm-hmm. like, it's a metaphor, you see. You put the killing thing right between your teeth, but you don't give it the power to do its killing. So similar. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I know, I think we talked about that the first time he told her to not smoke. Um, but this is the first time that it actually ties to the fall in our yes. stars. <laughs> so 
I'm glad you brought it up again. He is Augustus Waters confirmed. <laughs> Minus the fact that she did smoke a lot of cigarettes first. Yes, that is true. Um, I already brought this up actually, but I'll bring it up again. Um, when August finds out that Ilsa wasn't dead. Again, the Game of Thrones thing. If you don't watch them die, are they really dead? Although with Sloan, we thought that he was dead and watched him die, but clearly he did not die. They're just shit at stabbing and knowing they where really internal are. organs are. Come they on. Are. Yep. Know your monster anatomy, bitches. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> um, oh, and then my last one is... I mean, there's a lot of examples in um, books and TV and stuff where, like, you take away, like, you either cut off a part or you somehow inhibit somebody's power. Like, it could be, like, a writer, you cut off their hand so that they can no longer write and so they no longer have this power. Remind Mm -hmm. me a bit of, you watched The Witcher season two, right? Yes, you did. Okay. It reminded me a bit of, like, the conversation that, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on their names right now? Um... Describe them and I'll tell you their names. The witch. <laughs> Yennefer. Yennefer and the bard have. Um, where Yaskir. Yaskir. And they're like, I think Yaskir is saying, um, like, what do we do when we can no longer do the one thing that we were put on this earth to do? Remind mm-hmm. me a lot of that, like, Elsa, Ilsa no longer is able to do the one thing that she was put on the earth to do. <laughs> so, kind of sad, but... Those were mine. I also had a Witcher one, but the whole thing with Ilsa and, like, specifically, like, the scar on her neck and her not being able to, like, talk or engage with people reminded me a lot of the Bruxa from, I want to say it was, like, episode two or three, um, where she couldn't speak except with Siri, where she was speaking telepathically, right? But she can't actually Mm -hmm. speak out loud. Other than her, like, scary screams, that's a separate thing. But I think in the book itself, because I did read that over winter break, um, there was something wrong with her throat. Like, people had tortured her, and she was with Nivellen for, like, healing, but then was giving into her baser nature and, like, killing a bunch of people, which she obviously shouldn't have been doing. Um, but, yeah, it just, the whole, like, throat, the specific, like, throat being cut and, like, her not being able to speak and, like, being a woman that is also a monster that's sort of, like, brought down and hidden away um, reminded me a lot of, of that scene from The Witcher. Mm. It's very different in the book, though, because Siri isn't a part of it in the book. It's just Geralt. But, still. Um, and then... Big, I got, I don't know about you, but, like, Kate trying to, like, prove herself and get the answer she needs from Harker and all this stuff. Big Warner vibes. Like, Warner in Paris. (laughs) Again. I don't know how many times I have to say that with these books, but it's just, like, every time she does something with Harker, I'm like, yup, it reminds me of Warner. (laughs) I don't know why, again, because, like... So many, like, moments from all of the dystopian novels of the 2010s and, like, mid-2000s are all just kind of, like, blurred together in my mind. But there's something about, like, August protecting Kate from killing 
her dad and like making her leave the room and like just sort of bringing her a little bit of extra peace and sheltering her so she doesn't have to do the dirty work really reminds me of Katniss trying to shield Peta from stuff during the Hunger Games. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't know why. I was just getting Katniss and Peta vibes. <laughs> Vibe check. And then Maybe also... they will have that same ending then as well. Oh god. I hope not. <laughs> um, specifically because they can't procreate. <laughs> They're not the same species. Oh my God. Just saying. Okay. Uh, but then also speaking of the Hunger Games, with Ilsa not being able to talk, I was reminded of the A-boxes. I mean, granted, it's not a throat thing. Their tongues get cut out, but again, the yeah. same vibe. Yeah. Um, okay. What about the elegy? I had one. It was, I was almost talking about it because I always get ahead of myself. <laughs> Same. But it's where um, August is talking about how um, he's kind of accepting himself, uh, which he didn't think he would ever do because Leo kept telling him to do it, but he only ever had Leo to really... Um, kind of base himself off of in a way Mm -hmm. and so now he's accepted himself and he knows that he can be better while also again accepting himself um remind me a lot of like harry potter um when he's you know going through at the very start in the very first book where he is like kind of battling himself in a way like he could be evil or he could be good um and like from the start he's like i want to be good and he sticks with it reminds me a lot of august's like need like he's gonna be like i want to be a good person well a good monster even though i'm a monster um remind me a lot of that like inner battles so yeah it was it was kind of like in that first movie too where he has the sorting hat on him mm-hmm. um and the sorting hat and him are having this whole conversation and he's like it's like that almost did you have anything else for the no. elegy? What were what were yours? So the faked the faked papers that Kate had where she cut out a picture and pasted it onto it's another so one. All I could think about is how much worse those were in quality um than the nice faked passports that Bella was able to acquire in breaking dawn. <laughs> Listen, Kate was trying. She was doing her best. I know, but, like, faking papers should not be an arts and crafts project. How bad has your dystopian society turned to that you can do that? Like, that's that's pretty bad. I know. Um, And then, secondly, any sort of, like, border crossing, especially the one where she's, like, getting interrogated almost, but then they eventually let her through and she can kind of breathe. Reminds me a lot of the various border crossings in Veronica Mars, because where they are, it's like Southern California, so people are crossing back and forth between Tijuana and the U.S. a lot, (laughs) Um, and sometimes they'll get stopped in the Tijuana border and, like, be, like, sweating bullets, but then they'll be able to get through, so it just reminded me of Veronica Mars, because, you know, I need to make multiple Veronica Mars references every episode. Um, (laughs) All the self-sacrifice of August in this whole chapter, 100%. 
he would pick abnegation as his faction. Oh, yeah. 100%. Just huge abnegation vibes this chapter. Normally, I don't just go based off of, like, faction vibes, but it was enough in this chapter that I, I had to comment on it. And then it wasn't, like, a specific pop culture reference, but, like, the awakening of Alice just reminded me, like, the, the imagery that was used to describe her awakening and sort of, like, coming to herself and, like, finding Sloane just reminded me a lot of, like, when vampires sort of awake in modern sort of, like, books and TV shows. It's kind of, like, the standard, like, vampire origin story sort of vibe, even though obviously it's not based off of a dead body, but same, same sort of concept. And then additionally, like, realizing that the stake didn't pierce Sloane's heart and then pulling it out so he could recuperate is so reminiscent of all of the near deaths in the Vampire Diaries where people are literally like gray in the face and then they just pull the stake out and the vampire is magically alive again and I'm like what? To continue the story. What the hell? What is this? Oh my god. So yeah those are those are my pop culture references. Not as good as normal so I apologize to the listeners. I'm still getting back into my groove (laughs) should we do mvps julia yes do you want to go first i will go first yes hold on let me actually like type this out um i i switched from using sticky notes to an actual note so it syncs across all my devices which is a much smarter tracking mechanism um i probably to your surprise maybe who knows i'm going to pick kate Hmm. why kate i think even though like she had to get pushed a little bit into the different directions that she took these these chapters she made every right decision that she needed to make and she is just unapologetically a main character. You know what I mean? Like, even when she is mm-hmm. the chance for prosperity and a breath and a chance to just chill, she dives straight back into fucking violence to go <laughs> solve some murders. And she is doggedly searching for the truth to find her own peace and her own comfort. And not that she, like, truly cares about what Harker has to say in any of the stuff that he's saying, but, like, it, like, it doesn't, it didn't really matter if he's gonna tell the truth or lie at the end of the day. What mattered is that she was brave enough to go back to confront him about those things. You know what I mean? Like, even if he would have lied, she would have known that he was lying, or August would have said, you know, he's lying, and she would have just been able to write him off either way. And she was more than ready to, like, kill her father to achieve her vengeance. I don't, she just, I don't know, she really impressed me this chapter, and just, like, overall in the book, she's just had so much growth in who she is as a person, and while I still think there's a lot more growth that she has to do in terms of, like, chilling out a little bit... I was very proud of how she handled herself in every interaction, especially in chapter nine, which I think we kind of overlook a little bit because it was so short. But August literally became a giant demon winged monster 
and could have destroyed her with probably, like, breathing fire. And she still went in after him into this bathroom to, like, check on him and ask him if he was back to himself and was okay. You know? And that takes a whole hell of a lot of bravery. So I was just, yeah, I was very proud of her. I like that. Um, I'm going to give mine to August. (laughs) No surprise there, probably. Um... (laughs) Because, I mean, mainly for that moment where he's like, all right, I am a monster, but I'm going to be a good monster. I'm not going to be another Leo. I'm going to do right in the world. Um, And then that moment where he, that we talked about with Allegro and asking, like, am I okay? And Allegro confirms, like, he's fine. Um, I just like that because, again, it shows, even though he is a monster, he's accepted that he still has this humanity in, inside himself. Like, he still wants his wonderful cat to recognize that he's still him. And I think that's so important that he's still trying to maintain that, like, some semblance of normandy. Norm, norm, oh, my God. Normalcy. <laughs> Normalcy. I'm so tired. Um, and I've had one. And this is not a good combination. Woo, it's a great combination. You're correct. <laughs> um... But also at the end, you know, he gets to finally become also who he wanted to be before all of this, which is a part of the fight. Um, So he has proven himself in a way to Henry and Emily and that he's, I think for him, it's having that purpose is going to really help him and has probably solidified that need to be a good monster. Um, So I'm just proud of him. (laughs) He is not the little... August that we doted on, but he is going to be a very, very strong character. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Alright, what about your wine rating, Julia? I am going to rate this a, a 9 out of 10 so, or dry Moscato, which they do exist. So, generally, you know, you think of Moscato, you think of a very, very sweet kind of dessert style kind of carbonated drink (laughs) not really a wine (laughs) it's usually very cheap and sweet um but you can have really high-end dry moscatos um that are rated in the nines and i think that it's very very similar where like you're kind of getting that sweetness on the tip of your tongue um but it goes down it's kind of a little bit bitter still um the fruits are not sweet but they're there (laughs) um Remind me a lot of the end of it, where it's like you get a little bit of sweetness, but it's not quite sweet. So, very a very simple wine rating this time around. How about your whining rating? I'm gonna go kind of crazy here. Ooh, yes. Zero out of ten. <gasps> oh my god. I know, I know, it's wild, but they <laughs> they just showcased so much growth by the time we got to these chapters and like they were not upset or angry or angsty about any of the decisions that they made like they were so accepting and like working through everything that they needed to do even when Kate was confronting her father like she was not like upset in the way that we expect a teen to be upset she wasn't like acting out she wasn't yelling at him she just kept asking questions. She was very calm, cool, collected, and 
I don't see anything that they did in these chapters as angsty in any way, shape, or form. Like, they just owned what they needed to do, they pushed forward, they kept going, and yeah. So, zero out of ten. Fair enough. Yep. Okay, now I need to uh, <laughs> remember what all of our social media is. <laughs> Here's the real challenge. No, I opened up our I opened up our spreadsheet. So I, I am going to be posting on social media. So, yay! Oh. Apologizing for our like very long hiatus. Um, if you are interested in following us on social media, which we will eventually post on sporadically at some point, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod, and on Twitter at Un angst pod and then you can also email us um with questions comments uh honestly yelling at us for being gone for so long we deserve it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com but you can also send us book recommendations or just to chat about books we both really love chatting about books all the time so we're always open to that um and probably a good reminder that we do screen our emails if we get any um, for spoiler-related details in case we want to make sure that we're not having one or the other of us get spoiled on any particular books um, that we may not have read yet. So if you are planning on including a spoiler for any books that are upcoming on our list that you're aware one of us might not have read um please flag it as a spoiler in the subject line just so we're aware um but anyways thanks so much for listening this week we apologize for being gone so long but we yeah are really excited to be back back in each other's lives and you know back with all of you at home so we will chat with you all next week have a good one Bye. bye